Hello and welcome to Changing Birth. I'm your host, Hannah Wilsmore. I'm a midwife, award-winning childbirth educator and life coach, and I'm here to make birth better. I've worked with hundreds of families as they prepare for the arrival of their baby, so I know all about the highs, the lows, and everything in between. In this podcast, I share my knowledge, practical tips and insights so that you too can have a positive birth and transition to motherhood. Let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Changing Birth Podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Today I have a guest interview for today's episode, which is always really lovely. There's some amazing professionals in our industry and I really love doing these guest interviews because I think that education and knowledge is so important in preparation for birth and that is something that we focus on in today's episode. So today I'm chatting with the lovely Kath Bequee and we are chatting all around pelvic floor health and postpartum wellness. Kath is not only a mum of three young girls, but she's also a passionate physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. She is the founder of the online community Fitness Mama, where she really supports women to take charge of their health and well-being in both pregnancy and also postpartum. So in today's episode, Kath will chat through the importance of being proactive about pelvic floor health, really focusing on prevention as a key strategy. We also explore the benefits of maintaining exercise and a healthy lifestyle during pregnancy and how this can impact our postpartum recovery. Kath also shares some insights around the symptoms that women should be aware of after giving birth and how a physio can play a really big role in supporting postnatal healing and supporting women with their pelvic floor health postnatally. And then lastly, we chat around perineal massage and focus on the benefits from Kath's perspective as a physio. And I chat around some of the benefits that I see as a midwife and hypnobirthing teacher as well. So if you're currently pregnant, I hope you really enjoy this episode. I think it will be really beneficial and packed with knowledge and practical advice. Remember also that I support Mamas Australia wide. I offer a number of different services, including my online hypnobirthing course and also one-on-one consults. So we can work together no matter where you're located in Australia. I work with lots of mamas who are local to me in Adelaide, but lately I've also been working with a number of mums interstate, which has been really lovely. And if you've been thinking about working with me or working with a private midwife, some of the things that I can support you with include, but aren't limited to understanding your cycle to optimize conception, choosing your maternity care provider, including changing care provider, if that's something that you would like to explore. I offer midwifery debriefs from a previous birth, chats around creating a birth plan, releasing fears about birth, breastfeeding and postnatal education, support around returning to work and breastfeeding. Um, What else are things around newborn support? So newborn and infant sleep support and also planning for your next baby. And I haven't chatted about those one-on-one services on here for a little while, but I do have capacity over the next few months before the end of the year to take on some new clients and to support some mamas. So if you are interested, I'll put the details in the show notes, but you're always welcome to get in touch. So let's get into today's episode with Kath. 
Hey, Kath, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited for our chat today and for our listeners to hear about some of your expertise and some of your tips for pelvic floor and preparation for birth. Do you want to just start by letting everybody know uh, a little bit about you and your family and how you work with women in pregnancy and postpartum? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me on your lovely podcast, Hannah. So I am a physiotherapist. I am a mom of three young girls who are not so young anymore, 11, Mm -hmm. 9 and 6. They're growing up, my babies. Um, And I came into my line of work because as a physio, I've always been drawn to women's health physio, like right when I first graduated as a young uh, 22-year-old I've always worked part-time in a women's health clinic. There was just something about pregnancy and postpartum. Um, So by the time I had my um, first baby, I realised how little I actually knew and so I ended (laughs) up doing postgraduate training in pelvic floor rehab. But the reason I've created my podcast and my program is because as a physio, I think generally speaking in the clinic, and things are improving, but you very much, it's a, it's, we're treating people reactively. So when people already have, when women already have the issues with incontinence or prolapse, when women already have the aches and pains, you know, when there's already issues and I just identify that there's so much that we can be doing proactively and preventatively, hence the podcast and chatting to you today and the Mm. program that I run. So yeah, it's a really exciting area because I think that whole notion of as I said, being proactive and prevention is quite a new I guess, concept concept when it comes to health in general, especially during a stage of motherhood when historically we haven't really focused on ourselves after having a baby. You know, it's all about the baby and, you know, we're tired and sleep deprived and learning how to breastfeed, like how are we supposed to be able to focus Mm. on ourselves? So, yeah, it's great to chat. Yeah, and being proactive is I, I agree. I think we're slowly getting there in healthcare and in maternity care and, and postpartum. I think we're starting to really see the value of that and whether it's preparing for birth or preparing for postpartum or really being proactive with our physical health. Um, there's a lot we can do and there's lots of research coming out around that mm-hmm. as well, um, which I think is very relevant to um, what we're talking about. So something that I get asked about a lot as a midwife and as a childbirth educator is around what should I be doing from a pelvic floor perspective in the lead up to birth? I think perineal massage is starting to become more commonplace and people are maybe hearing about that from their midwife or their obstetrician. But do you mind just chatting to us a bit around how we can be proactive with that pelvic floor support or or preparation during pregnancy? Yeah, I love this question Um, because there is – so much we can do. And although we don't know how birth's going to eventuate, we don't know what type of birth, you know, we might necessarily end up have, having. The reason I love what I do is because our, I guess our health and our fitness, there is so much that we do have control over. So um, you might disagree with me with that, with the birth aspect, but mm. yeah, no, 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 in absolutely. terms of... Mm. Like once we have a baby, yes, we might all be starting at a different baseline. So someone might have had a forceps um, instrumental delivery. Uh, someone else might have, you know, had no tears whatsoever. Like we're all starting off at a different baseline, but we've all got it within our power to improve 
grow stronger and get our pelvic floor stronger and all those sorts of things. So what can we do preventatively? Great question. Um, there's, and this is, this is evolving and adapting because research is growing in this area. So it's super exciting. The biggest thing I can, I know with research and I just um, have been part of an update recently is actually our pregnancy fitness helps with our postnatal pelvic floor outcomes. So, and that is, yeah, it's so interesting. It's not what you'd think, is it? You know, we're focusing mm. on pelvic floor exercises or perineal massage, but actually just being as fit and healthy as possible during pregnancy has, there's research to show that will help with your outcome. So that is exciting because, mm. again, a, a little bit of me cringes because I know during pregnancy, there's fatigue, there's nauseousness, you know, perhaps mum's busy working full-time. Like there's a lot of barriers to exercise, um, pelvic girdle pain, back pain. So I do, like I, I do, I guess, tread with caution here because I know there are a lot of barriers. Mm-hmm. But I also, and this is the like everything I do with my program, provide a platform so that women can overcome these barriers and still work towards supporting their pregnancy fitness. So that would be the first one is if you're listening today, just have a think about what you're doing day to day. Is there anything you could be tweaking or adding or, you know, is there any way that you could incorporate a little bit more movement um, or whatever it is that you need into your day-to-day activities? Um, Then the second big one, would be identifying any pelvic floor issues before you even have your baby. Mm, so, isn't it? I, I find yeah. it really helpful with clients. And I think often we've heard about seeing a physio postnatally, but maybe not in pregnancy as much. Mm. Yeah. And again, this is an area where we historically we haven't spoken about it. You know, you're mm. not going to necessarily tell someone next to you that you leak when you cough or, you know, every time you sneeze, you have the accidental leak. I think we're getting better at talking about it. Um, but that's the biggest thing is identifying if there's any issues in the first place because it's it's not just pregnancy and childbirth that cause these issues. There's actually in the clinic I would see lots of women in their 20s, 30s, like who haven't even had any children um, potentially with some issues. So some examples of things to be aware of, um, there's the commonly known ones like leaking when you cough sneeze laugh or move um then there's the urinary urgency so the rushing and the frequency they're having to go to the toilet all the time um there's prolapse so this is perhaps more if you've already had a baby so that feeling of a vaginal lump or bulge or pelvic heaviness or dragging sensation or it might even be a bit more subtle um, like I know after the birth of my third baby, it felt for a good month that I had a tampon stuck inside me, but I had no tampon in me. There's just this discomfort. So um, there can also be difficulty voiding, so um, passing urine or passing a bowel motion. Yeah, there's some of the symptoms of prolapse. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's sexual pain, something that should be investigated because that's potentially overactive pelvic floor um, con- long-term constipation, straining on the toilet, that could be, that should be investigated. They're the biggest ones, the red flags. So identifying if you've got any issues is a good one. 
Um, mm. And then another one I should add to that is the family history. Perhaps your mother had pelvic floor issues um, or, or a hysterectomy. Perhaps your auntie did and all the women in your life have had concerns. I would definitely be in that case, be proactive and chatting to your healthcare team, your physio and your doctor. So is there a bit of research around them with a genetic link between um, pelvic floor issues or prolapse? Yeah, like perhaps, um, yeah, prolapse, yeah. There is a big genetic component. And, you know, sometimes that's strong. Like I think moving forwards, I can't speak definitively now, but moving forwards, that's the way that I really think this, um, in terms of birth choices, this is moving and finding out if there's actually markers to indicate whether or not someone would, from a pelvic floor perspective, would actually benefit from having a caesarean birth, elective caesarean, over a vaginal birth. And I know it's a very contentious issue and there's a Mm. lot involved there, but, you know, having a strong family history of third and fourth degree prolapses post-childbirth, you know, where someone's had to then go on and have multiple surgeries, like that's potentially something to chat to with your Mm. doctor. Yeah. And I'm just circling back to the movement and exercise in pregnancy because that's – that's really interesting and I think a lot of people will find that um, helpful. Is there particular movements or exercise that is more beneficial compared to others in the research um, or just movement look, in general the biggest, active? The, yeah, the biggest thing, weight gain is a big risk factor for prolapse issues, mm. again, as, along with chronic cough, um, you know, the constipation, straining on the toilet, but weight gain is a big one and they found that if you – uh, fitter and active, more active during pregnancy, then you're more likely to be postpartum too and lose the weight quicker. And that's potentially one theory as to why mm. that might help. So it's um, personally, I do believe someone might have an amazing walking regime, for example, during pregnancy and postpartum. But when it comes to your pelvic floor and core muscles, they're our weakest link when it comes to childbirth and pregnancy, meaning it's our pelvic floor and core muscles that get stretched and weakened. So I really think this is the time, and I know I'm biased, but to include potentially some Pilates, some core, mm. some pelvic floor in the mix. Like walking, for example, is a beautiful exercise. It's free, gets you out in the sunshine, fresh air. But personally, I always wanted to include something that complemented my walking or running. And even for running, if you're a runner, I really think – doing some sort of strength and mobility and core helps to prevent injuries with runners. Mm-hmm. And that's also, like, that's a whole other topic. But, it, you know, they're using Pilates with um, these in the footy uh, footy teams these days. There's now reformer beds in these, um, in, in the AFL, mm, um, so with the AFL team. So, yeah, there's a lot to show for this strengthening, conditioning, this, mo- this core, these core exercises. So, yeah, I personally think, Pilates and Pilates can be a scary word for someone that's never done that before. Really, just honing in on some beautiful exercises to support your growing belly, your pelvic floor, all those beautiful postural muscles is ideal. Mm. And so, how would um, perineal massage fit into this in terms of preparation for birth? Is it something that you recommend to clients, or what's your perspective in preparation for birth? Yeah. Well, the research is that it does help to reduce risk of third and fourth degree perineal tears and episiotomy. It's free. 
it doesn't involve buying any special equipment. So I think it should be like I would hope that all women can learn about it and know mm. about it so that they can choose if they want to do it. And I know it's not for everyone. I know it can be hard to reach that area. I know some women are very happy to get their partners involved. Other women are like, no, I don't want my husband, you know, partner touching anywhere near down there. Mm. So it's a very personal choice. Um, but I also don't think it's all about the perineal massage. I think it's about, and I teach this inside my program, it's not just about the physical act of stretching something. Let's, let's, let's take this back a step. To actually stretch a muscle, you would have to have it on stretch for hours and hours, like every day to get a permanent stretch. And we don't want a permanent stretch in that area, do we? Mm. So where I think perineal massage is actually fitting into the picture, it's that awareness of how to let go and release those pelvic floor, that tension in the pelvic floor muscles. It's to learn how to, you know, think, okay, I've got an uncomfortable stretching feeling sensation happening here. For example, if it's a baby's head that's crowning, do you want to fight and resist that sensation or do you want to relax and ease into that sensation? And that's where we, in our muscles we have what we call active or passive tension and active tension. And I think it's not so much about getting that length longer, it's more about that active release of muscle tension. And if you're finding it hard to sort of understand what I'm saying, what I mean is if you've got neck pain or head pain, I know personally I lift up my shoulders and I hold tension in my neck and shoulder muscles so those muscles are shortened and tense. Whereas if I just relax my shoulders down, I'm getting that active release of tension. So that's what we mean in the pelvic floor. We want that active opening up of that birth canal and releasing that tension that you've got in the muscles. So this is where I think, and I personally call it, I call it perineal preparation because women might prepare their perineum without necessarily massaging it. There's other ways mm. that we can prepare that perineum. Um, and this is where I think the hypnobirthing and the pelvic floor side of things, where I'm coming from it, they beautifully complement each other. When I'm talking to my hypnobirthing couples about perineal massage, that's really how I describe um, where I think it's beneficial too is in actually breathing through and relaxing through that pressure. And you talked a bit there about that real, that idea of relaxing and, and dropping that tension and allowing uh, that flexibility with the, with the pelvic floor. How would you say breathing then fits into that when, when it comes to birth? Your diaphragm is at the top of your core, your pelvic floor is at the bottom of your core, your abdominals at the front and you've got your back. So it's like a cylinder. And we know that with our diaphragm movement, we've got pelvic floor movement. And that's actually one of the best pelvic floor exercises you can do in those early days is actually to take your deep breath, deep breaths, that beautiful belly breathing, that diaphragmatic breathing. So they're absolutely linked, the diaphragm and the pelvic floor. Mm. There um, is a bit of research around epidurals potentially and pelvic floor as well. And we know for people that have an epidural, like as a midwife, we often use coach pushing more. Um, than say someone without an epidural or a regional anaesthetic because of how they can feel that kind of sensation. So there's lots of factors. I just wanted to also ask as well, because this is a question that I get asked a lot and I've, I've considered it from my perspective as a midwife, but I think as a physio, um, 
If you're happy to just briefly chat about the EpiNode device. So, if, you know, some people may have heard of this. Uh, it's something I get asked about a lot, like very regularly. Should I be using an EpiNode or should I just be doing uh, perineal massage? Yeah. So, for those that don't know what an EpiNode is, it's a device that you sort of insert into you. And there's a few different types out there, but I believe you sort of you pump it up mm. to help stretch the area. So I would say, look, personally, not well, research-wise is that there's not much research on them. So, yeah, firstly, yeah. Um, they cost money, whereas perineal massage is free. I think there is a place for them, especially if someone's got what we, you know, call overactive pelvic floor or, you know, tight pelvic floor muscles. But I would only recommend using an epi in conjunction with a pelvic floor physio and it might be worth having a pelvic floor assessment first. So I think there there is a place for them. But generally speaking, I don't recommend them. Um, yeah, because, yeah. Of the, because of the research-wise, the cost-wise. So, yeah, they used to be quite popular. <laughs> yeah, well, they still are. They used to be a lot more popular. In, in Adelaide. Okay. Um, I know... One hospital here in particular, they talk about them in their antenatal classes, so that's where I tend to get a lot of people. And I think they're sort of recommended recommended um, in that setting, and I think how you've described it is great, and that's what I would suggest as well, is that they do can have their place, um, but working with a physio as well. And they're not this sort of um, thing. I think the, the research is just not there to say that they're this amazing device that is going to make birth really easy. You know, it's, it's a tool that yeah. maybe for some people could be really helpful, but... Yes, I like what you said there about um, working yeah. with the physio as well. Yeah. And look, maybe that might change if more research comes to light that it is really helpful. But personally, when I was 38 weeks pregnant, there was no way I wanted to put some device <laughs> into me. I just felt it personally for me. I felt it was, felt quite invasive and, I, but, you know, that, I, everyone's different. Research is always evolving, isn't it? and things are changing mm. and we start to get more research in different areas, which then helps to inform our practice um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that has been super helpful. I think your perspective as a, as a physio uh, is fantastic for mums who are preparing for birth and thinking about their postpartum recovery and their pelvic floor. If people would like to learn a little bit more about you and the ways that you support families, where's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, Sure. Before I do dive into all that, I did just want to, because we, we, just to clarify that I have been talking, we've been talking about two different things. We've talk, been talking about the strengthening and then the relaxing, relaxing and the relaxation. And I do just want to point out they are both really important aspects when mm. we're pregnant. It's not all about getting a strong pelvic floor. It's about getting you know, a beautiful pelvic floor that nice and strong, but also can relax and it's nice and functional too. So um, the pelvic floor strengthening side can help with those postnatal outcomes. And then the pelvic floor relaxation side can help with the birth process. So I just wanted to clarify that just mm. to, in case good anyone was a bit confused. Yes. And I think that's um, a very good description. Yeah. Because we often do hear that we need to be doing our pelvic floor exercises, but then we need to be relaxing for birth. And we often think, which one is that? But it's both. Yeah. 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 And perhaps they both 
have a slightly different place at different stages of pregnancy too. Like it's in the last month of pregnancy that you could really hone in on the relaxing side and, yeah, anyway, so that, mm. it's good to talk about that. So yeah. I am... I have a pregnancy, birth, and recovery podcast. So, and Hannah, you've recently been a guest. So, that's, come and check that out. I am on Instagram at fitnessmama, F I T N E S T M A M A. And pretty much um, every link is fitnessmama. And I do have a preparing for birth checklist where I do discuss, you know, the ways that we can physically help to prepare our body for birth. So, if that interests you, I'll, I'll leave you the link, um, mm-hmm. Hannah, yeah, um, and everyone can download that free checklist. Brilliant. Thanks so much for that, Kath, and I'm sure that will be very helpful for those that are preparing. Thank you for joining me today. Love the chat. Thanks, Hannah. to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes and if you're enjoying the podcast I would be ever so grateful if you could rate and review on your favorite podcast player see you next week